program. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer. Welcome to Viewpoint. I am Chuck Chris Meyer. And today we're going to take a look at a very challenging issue. Well, it's challenging or not challenging, depending upon your viewpoint. Today... The U.S. Catholic bishops overwhelmingly approved the drafting of a teaching document that many of them hoped would rebuke Catholic politicians, including President Joe Biden, for receiving communion despite their support for abortion rights. Of course, this would also include Nancy Pelosi. The decision was vehemently opposed by a minority of the bishops that came despite appeals from the Vatican for a more cautious and collegial approach to the so-called divisive issue. Why is it a divisive issue? It's only a divisive issue because people have chosen to disagree with Father God. Does Father still know best? Well, apparently not. God the Father doesn't know best, and so those who are repudiating God the Father are increasingly worshiping Mother Earth, and hence radical environmentalism promoted by Joe Biden. It's fascinating how we can justify one thing and unjustify the other, and both of them dissing what God the Father has said in one way or another. Interestingly, a national faith-based organization called Catholic Vote released a survey Wednesday that found that 74% of Catholics who regularly attend Mass say Catholic politicians who oppose the Church's teachings should not receive Holy Communion. The president of Catholic Vote said that politicians who claim to be Catholic and then promote policies the Church considers to be gravely immoral serve to create confusion and discord among believers. Well, not only do they create discord among believers, they actually create discord with Father God, because God has spoken as a father. He says, if I be a father, then where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? That's what God said. If I be a father, where is my honor? Well, isn't that the problem? The problem is that fatherhood has fallen on very hard times, beginning with our respect of God as father. Hence, God as mother, mother intervening between father and Jesus, all of these things are very popular and in growing in popularity because we just don't much like the idea of a father because it stands for authority first. That's the problem, isn't it? We don't much like fathers because they represent authority. Oh, yes, they're loving. God the Father is loving. God is love. But he's also truth and justice and judgment, and he's all of these. And every father should be the same, including the bishops of the Catholic Church, including even the Pope. But the Pope disses what the Father says while calling himself the Holy Father. Can you make sense of any of this? You talk about division and discord. 
That's the penultimate of division and discord when you purposely and knowingly and egregiously disagree with what God the Father has said clearly in his word, and then you turn around and want to call for collegiality and niceness so that we don't have to really deal with the issue that is grievous to God as a father. And so, the poll that was taken found that 83% of Catholics who regularly attend Mass believe Catholic public officials who promote policies that violate church teachings create confusion and disunity. The survey revealed that 88% of Catholics who are regular churchgoers say it's important for Catholic bishops to teach and lead others in matters of the faith, including those who are public officials and other people in influential or powerful positions. Catholics want their bishops to lead. Similarly, 87% of this group say a bishop should defend the teachings of the church, even though some Catholics may disagree with them. And 82% believe public officials who identify as Catholic but openly promote policies that violate church teaching are hypocritical. Indeed, they are. Indeed, they are. The same is true for Protestant pastors or parachurch leaders. We have a real problem with fatherhood. We have a real problem with Father God. And today we want to talk about fatherhood. Before we get further into the weeds, so to speak, with regard to this matter of uh, fathering and fatherhood and all of this, uh, I want to try to break this thing down just a little bit, ask some rhetorical questions, probing questions for us to consider as we uh, move forward. It appears that the Pope, who calls himself the Vicar of Christ and the Holy Father, standing in the place, verily, of Father God, then says he wants this to be dealt with cautiously and collegially, in other words, not forcing anybody to make a decision. Isn't that interesting? Now, let me ask you a question. If you're a father, and you have rules in your household, and if your son or daughter decides to openly, notoriously, and egregiously violate one or more of those rules, what would you do? Would you say, now, now, son, let's be nice. Would you say, oh, my daughter, I love you so much. Uh, Please don't do that again. And then she proceeds in your face to do it again. What would you do? What would you say? You would either have to exert your authority as father, or you would negate your authority as father and punt. You would punt for some sort of a touchy-feely kind of response to try at least for the moment to make people feel better. But would that make them be better? Would that really help to remedy the problem? No, it wouldn't remedy the problem at all. In fact, it would actually amplify the problem because now whatever authority you did have, you have just abandoned and they know it. Therefore, you have lost your platform before God to speak to your own child. That's our problem. 
That began in large measure with Dr. Spock in the 1940s with his laissez-faire parenting, and it picked up steam all the way through the 1960s, and hence we had a outright rebellion on our hands with the 60s generation. We saw it all over the country, in fact, all over the world. It spread worldwide. Fascinating. When we abandon the authority that has been delegated to us by God, all hell breaks loose. What's been happening in your home? Does this message concerning what the Catholic bishops are dealing with, even with regard to the Pope and with regard to the president, have any implication or application for you? Oh, I think it has vast implications. This is Viewpoint. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're dealing with the hearts of the fathers. You, me, grandfathers, the hearts of the fathers. Because the heart of fathers is what matters to God. Fathering has fallen on very, very tough times these days. We've been watching it happen for probably two generations now. I've watched it happening from coast to coast, in the church and out. In the educational system, in the courthouse, I've watched it happening everywhere. Fatherhood falling on very hard times. So we say, well, these fathers now, they're just uh, uh, not standing up to the plate. Well, that's true. Many fathers are not standing up to the plate. But one of the reasons they're not standing up to the plate is because they're being opposed at virtually every point, even within their own homes. And feminism didn't help that at all. Didn't help it at all. And so we actually have established a cultural milieu over the last, uh, say, 60 years that has contributed to the demise of fatherhood and therefore contributed to fatherless homes. Now, I'm not talking about fatherless homes in the sense that no father is in the home. But that father is just a sperm donor. We're not talking about sperm donors. We're talking about fathers who meet the criteria from God's viewpoint. In other words, who exercise their godly authority, their delegated authority, for the purpose of raising up sons and daughters who worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. They train up their children the way they should go. They are not bound by the uh, winds of time, by the various uh, ever-changing feelings and dictates of the culture, but know their heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Their heart is established, and they are not moved. 
But have you noticed the tendency now? We see it here with the uh, Catholic Church in America and, and all over the world, by the way, because the Pope has been facilitating the diminution of spiritual authority all over the all over the world. What he's been doing is elevating his own authority while diminishing biblical authority. Now that's a very dangerous thing because increasingly the Pope is actually seeing himself replacing God, becoming God. When you diss what God has said, in whole or in part, you actually have done exactly what Satan said he was going to do when he said, I will ascend to the heights of the north, I will be like the Most High God. And then he tempted Eve, tested her there in the garden, to actually diss what God had said and buy into Satan's viewpoint. And he hasn't had to change his mechanism ever since, because it works so well. It's working with the Pope. It's working uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention this week. It's working everywhere. The acceptance of the dictates of modern culture that is godless in order to try to please people, in order to try to avoid a conflict. That's not fathering, friends. Fathering is willing to stand in the difficult circumstances and willing to lead even if he must take heat for leading. If all a father does in his home is continually back down in order to try to keep peace in the home, he will abandon his authority and will have no peace in his home. My wife and I have watched this over the years from coast to coast in Christian families where the parents, and particularly the father, abandons his authority. Sometimes it's because the wife usurps the authority and basically renders the man a virtual eunuch. We don't want that kind of man, do we? We don't want that kind of father, do we? We want to encourage men to be men. We want to encourage fathers to be fathers. We want to encourage pastors to stand up as spiritual fathers and teach the truth without any consideration for the pressures of the culture. Are they going to serve the culture or are they going to serve Christ? This is the issue that these U.S. Catholic bishops are dealing with. Are we here to serve Christ, or are we here to serve the culture? And they've decided their responsibility is to serve Christ as they see it, as they see it through the Word of God, not through the culture, not through the feelings of the people. The feelings of the people are relatively irrelevant. What's relevant is faith based upon the Word of God. Faith is living out, putting action to the actual words of God. It has relatively little to do with feelings. Feelings are just an auxiliary to us. God gives us the ability to have feelings so that they actually can bring a life quality to what otherwise seems like a dead letter. But it's not a dead letter. Because the Bible says God's word is alive 
and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of uh, soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerns even the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So men, this is our moment. If we cannot stand in the evil day, today, if we cannot stand and not be moved by all of the vagaries of feelings that change from day to day with all of the various cultural mores and uh, manipulations that are taking place and the cancel culture and the pressures that are being put. Look, that's what the nature of the end times is. Pressure. Jesus said, you will have tribulation. Pressure. The word tribulation is the word flipsis, uh, right there in the Greek, meaning pressure. And pressure is growing. I don't happen to be a Catholic, but I stand up for these U.S. Catholic bishops today who are willing to stand much stronger than the Southern Baptist Convention this week when they decided to capitulate to the cultural dictates in the election of a president. The largest Protestant denomination in the country capitulated to the dictates of the culture to embrace the moving machine of Black Lives Matter and critical race theory. And so they've decided to adopt it either directly or indirectly, into the denomination by the election of the particular president they chose. They did exactly the opposite of what these Roman Catholic bishops are doing. In other words, these leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention did not act as fathers. They acted more like mothers. So the little children came running to them and said, kiss me better, mama, make me feel better. Instead of standing up and taking the leadership that was necessary amid the pressure that was coming. Is this making any sense? Now, the implication and application for you and for me should be clear. These are tough times for us as fathers and as grandfathers. I take my responsibility as a grandfather every bit as important as I took my responsibility as a father. This is an amazing time for grandfathers to shoulder the plow of fathering leadership. No, you can't dictate to your sons and your daughters as a grandfather. You can't dictate to them. But you can lead. You can speak. Instead of just deferring always to try to avoid a conflict. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did not defer to avoid a conflict. Read Matthew 23 and you'll find out. 
Read Matthew 23 and you'll find out. No. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Most of us don't look at the part of Jesus that is that displays the Father. We look at other aspects of Jesus that we like. It makes us feel better. But we don't want to see the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible was full of both grace and truth. He was also full of righteousness and also love and compassion. And it is Jesus, the Bible says, who is going to be the final judge of we human beings as to whether or not we, like him, obey the Father. I want you to think about that. We need to seriously consider who it is we serve. We need to seriously consider that Jesus was sent to be the manifestation in the flesh of God the Father. How is it that people can say, well, the God of the New Testament is not the same as the God of the Old Testament? To say that is to say Jesus is a liar. That somehow Jesus changed the nature of God. But the Bible says God never changes. He says, I change not. Jesus is called the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Why? Because he and the Father are one. So we need to understand a little more deeply from a spiritual sense, a biblical sense, what the demands of fatherhood are. Now, in the second half of the program, we're going to take a look at a very different approach to fatherhood a very different aspect of fatherhood. We're going to talk about the Father's blessing. Now we're going to bring in much more of an emotional and feeling aspect, which has to proceed out of a legitimate authority that has been delegated because otherwise the Father's blessing doesn't mean much. If the Father is a scoundrel, his blessing means nothing. In fact, it may be worse than nothing. So when we get back from this upcoming break, we're actually going to be taking a look at the Father's blessing. And I'll tell you, I want to share with you a story in my own life that had such an impact just as I was uh, forming Save America Ministries of the Viewpoint Radio Broadcast with my own father. People have read this story in my book, Hearts of the Fathers, and have been very, very touched by it. And I want to make the book available to you to encourage you. This book is about encouraging, setting the stage and the tone for how to be a godly father and even husband, yes. It is primarily focused on our hearts, men. Not about playing baseball games and that kind of a thing. That's fine. But that's not what God is looking for. God is looking for men who will train up their children in the ways of the Lord. So that when they are old, they will not depart from it. He's not talking about men who serve on church boards. 
He's talking about men who train up their children by precept and by example. But how do we do that in a world like we have right today? That's what this book is about. Hearts of the Fathers Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. It's a $23 hardbound book. And during this week, and this week only, we're making it available for the lowest price we have ever, ever offered. $15. This book is worth to to a father who is really concerned about these times and how to be the kind of father God would have you to be. It's worth three to four times that amount. It's going to be so encouraging and cast a vision for you. And without a vision for fathering, our families are perishing. $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, A letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived, Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Every child yearns to be blessed by a loving father. How many women have lamented, and years later, when they were married, years after they were married, they cannot seem to shake the problem of their relationship with their father. And it affects their marriage. How many men have had the same kind of situation and they did not have a good relationship with their father. And it affects their marriage. And it affects their children. We fathers are called to be a blessing. Not just in a general way, but in very specific ways. And we'll talk about that here in this second half of the program today on Viewpoint. True blessing is born of the Father, God, by His Spirit. It's not like a a meaningless or manipulative set of words that we pour out to try to uh, gain affection with our kids. No. It's something much more profound than that. And grandfathers also are called to be both blessed and to be a blessing, and to proclaim a blessing. It's a privilege It's a privilege that God, as a father, gives to you and to me. In fact, you might, in some sense, you might call it our ultimate calling. By blessing our kids, we actually bless the Lord, who entrusted them to us so that we could care for them on his behalf. Have you ever thought about it that way? No. 
I believe that a father's blessing is without any earthly substitute. A child can receive the love of his mother, but without the blessing of his father, who was given the authority, the God-given authority, to head the home, there's something seriously missing. And I'm going to share some of that with you toward the end of the program here, my own story, and I hope you'll you'll stay in for, for that. The absence of a father's blessing actually betrays one of the father's greatest duties, and it kind of abandons a child uh, to bemoan for a lifetime a kind of emptiness of the soul that arises from the lack of his father's affliction, uh, affirmation. rather. Every child yearns to be blessed by a loving father. And by the way, that's true also for adult children, regardless of their age or status, whether they seem to indicate it or not, they're seeking for the open and spoken affirmation that would come regularly, periodically, from the lips of a loving father. You know, we like to think that uh, God speaks to us and lets us know how we think. In fact, he said so. Jeremiah 29, 11. The father said, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give unto you an expected end or a hope and a future. God said, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. So in saying that, God was admitting that he's thinking about us. He was thinking about Israel. But he didn't just leave it there. He didn't say, I'm thinking of you. The question then is, well, yeah. Are they good thoughts or bad thoughts? What are you thinking? So God says, I'm thinking thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a direction, a hope, a future, a vision. So the purpose of blessing is not just to make somebody feel good. It's to help guide them to be more like the Father. Not necessarily more like you, but more like the Father, because you and I are not perfect. We know that. Abraham wasn't perfect, but God said to him, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Who said that? The Father. The Father, God, said that to Abraham who then became known as the father of the faith, Abraham. He had great faith because he trusted the father, and the father returned the blessing and said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And in you shall all the nations or families of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You see, God is looking for fathers, Dads, grandfathers, who will truly obey him. Who won't take his word lightly. Who will take it seriously. Who won't just say, well, I, you know, I believe the Bible. No. He wants people to stand on his word. He wants people to lean on his word. He wants people to rest on his word. He's looking for a 
fathers who are obedient, who will do the Father's will. How do we know that? We know that because that's exactly what Jesus did. You see, the problem was that there were no human beings who truly obeyed God, not fully, because they had a sin nature. They were born in sin. As the psalmist said, in sin did my mother conceive me. And you were born in sin too. So God understanding the predicament and that the wages of sin was death, in the fullness of time he sent forth his only begotten son, full of grace and truth. His name was Yeshua or Jesus. Messiah. Called the Holy One of Israel. He wasn't called the Holy Father because there was only one Holy Father. Therefore, Jesus said, call no man father. Because there's only one Holy Father, and that's God the Father. Not the Pope. He's usurping the title of the Father. Not a priest. Because we're all in the role of a surrogate father, but not an actual father. So you and I as fathers, having brought children into the world through our spouses, are given a surrogate role to stand in the place to watch over God's children. Now, Jesus didn't have children, but he did obey God. In fact, the Bible says that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And in Philippians, it tells us that because Jesus did obey, God gave him a name that was above every name, that is the name of Jesus, Yeshua, every knee should bow in heaven and earth. Isn't that interesting? Jesus had to obey as a son. Therefore, the Father blessed him and gave him a name that was above every name. So this is one of the reasons, friends, why we need to raise up our kids to obey God. It's not legalism. That's faith. And we find with the life of Abraham, he had a son, Isaac, the son of promise, and then Jacob, who birthed the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we see Abraham's blessing was the legacy, or excuse me, Jacob and Isaac's blessing was the legacy of Abraham's long obedience in the same direction, that is his faith. Amazing. Now, there's power in our words, guys. Words count. A father's words can produce faith or folly. A father's words can breed hope or horror, can provide direction or lead to destruction. Words are like seeds. And those seeds will germinate seemingly in the darkness over time. Then they emerge, they mature into a blessing or a curse. How many times have we seen, maybe you have seen, heard, men or women deride their children, scream at them in stores, deride their children, Call them worthless. You'll never amount to anything. Do you know that that is a negative blessing? You're speaking words that have power. Our words have power. And 
from the very beginning with my oldest daughter, who happens to be my producer, and uh, uh, without her, I could hardly accomplish anything, I think. She is my go-to person, has been for a very long time. But from the moment she was born, I began to speak blessing over her every evening. I would take her after I got back from law practice and take her out after dinner and uh, walk with her and hold her, speak the word of God over her, speak blessing over her. And I believe that there's been much fruit come from that so many years later. And it continues to multiply. So this is so important, guys. And just having a godly heritage isn't enough. We can say, oh, yeah, well, my father was this, my father was that. But my father was a pastor for 50 years, friends. And I do not recall ever getting my father's blessing. A father's pointed blessing, I think, is essential to propel with power a son or a daughter into their life's greater calling and purpose. I really believe that. Heritage alone is not enough. I have a godly heritage. My father is a pastor. His father and his mother were pastors. My mother's father was a pastor. I mean, that's a pretty good heritage, isn't it? But it's not enough. There has to be the relationship. And the blessing is part of the outward expression of that relationship. So the Lord spoke to my heart. Back in 1992, he said, Son, you've been pleading the cause of men long enough. I want you to plead my cause of the land as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. I said, Yes, sir. And we began to form Save America Ministries, began to speak throughout Southern California, but I felt something was terribly missing. I want to tell you what it was when we get back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. I think one of the greatest blessings that you could, could give, gifts that you could give, to your son, an adult son, maybe even an older teenage son, certainly a young father, father father-to-be, 
and yes, even your pastor or your priest, I think one of the greatest things that you could do would be to give them a copy of this book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. I've interviewed many, 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 many people, men, on this program concerning their books, concerning fathering, and so on. Not one of them dealt with the issues of fathering like this book. Not one of them. There were a couple of good books. Don't get me wrong. I'm not exalting this book in that sense. But it's very different. Because the purpose of this book is to fulfill God's expectation for fathers because he has called he called Malachi to warn fathers concerning their role in these end times. It was the last message, or next to last message, that God brings to the earth before the second coming of Christ. He told Malachi to write that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that is, the coming of Christ to judge the earth in righteousness, before that time, I will raise up the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Why do you think God was going to do that? Because the issue of fathering is foremost in his mind and heart. Therefore, it should be in ours. And if it's not, we don't have his heart. We don't have his vision. And that's what this book is about. How to gather that vision and then begin to act on it. It's written in ways that men, every man, can understand. It's a $23 hardbound book, and we're making it available for the lowest price we have ever offered, $15, because we want to get the message out as rapidly and as broadly as possible. That's why I write books anyway, not to sell books. I don't write books to sell books. I write books to get a message out. Did you know that? There's a lot of difference. If I write books to if I wrote books to sell books, I'd write them differently. No, it's to get a message out. The heart of God for this hour. And I believe it will touch your heart. $15 on our website saveus.org, that's $15 to save saveus.org or uh, give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. All right, the Father's blessing. So in 1992, we formed Save America Ministries as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation uh, to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom. But something was missing. And I became very painfully aware that I had never received my pastor father's blessing or even an open affirmation. And I felt kind of paralyzed. Now, I don't run around with feelings on my shoulder. Where are my feelings on my shoulder? But I sensed that something was really missing. And it was kind of painful. I needed to reach my father's heart somehow, but I didn't know how. So it was like a son begging for a blessing. So then I got an idea. So I invited my father 
to share a couple of short weekend forays in uh, two of California's renowned vacation spots, one Lake Arrowhead in the mountains and the other Palm Springs. And uh, during those short father-son encounters, I, I attempted to seek out my father's heart as to what my wife and I were now doing in America's Greatest Crisis Hour. I, I desperately wanted to hear his deeply embracing words of affirmation, yet it was as if his lips were sealed. And I, I tell you, it, it got to the point after the first weekend like that that I, I just was almost desperate. Well, it was in Palm Springs that we again created the time to connect and it seemed like this would be the last opportunity, yet there was no response. You could, you know, it's like, what, what is it that ties a man's tongue that he can't or will not embrace and affirm his son? And by the way, the same is true men for their wives. Mm-hmm. Especially when the son is openly fulfilling the parent's professed hope and dream, which is what I was doing. And it seemed like no hint that I could make would suffice. So I kind of just mustered up the strength, the courage, the emotion to just kind of blurt out. And I said, Dad, I have become deeply aware of a great void in my life. And I've embarked on a tremendous faith journey. I believe at the command of Father God, but I've never received my own Father's blessing. Never, Dad. Never. Oh, my goodness. He was dumbfounded. It was like he just couldn't fathom that those thoughts may have been entertained in my mind. But he hadn't. He hadn't affirmed any at at all. It was hard to fault him because he had never received or known such a blessing from his own father who was a pastor. And then, in a few faltering words, yet there was conviction. That long-sought blessing came out, and I became a true man. Free in a new and powerful way to do my Father's will. That is God, my Father. But it was actually fulfilling what my Father had wanted but he just could not seem to muster the affirmation. But I'll tell you, simple as it was, joy was released into my own heart. My father's heart now was truly turned toward mine. And now even mine could be more deeply turned toward him and returned to the father's heart with an even greater and more Secure sense of full force of faith. And I believe that that is now a lasting legacy that is transmitted to many that the hearts of millions of fathers can be turned toward their children and the hearts of children turned toward their fathers because Jesus is coming soon. He said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Could that be said in any meaningful sense of you or of me? Grandfathers, fathers, we're absolutely not perfect. No way, no how. 
My wife made sure I knew that even this morning. (laughs) On the other hand, God has called us to stand in the gap. He's not here as a father. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, now even so send I you. So dads, grandfathers, we are sent ones. There is no substitute for your fathering. No substitute for the time you spend training up your children in the ways of the Lord. No substitute. And it's not a matter of just taking them to church. This week, a man who I discipled in our congregation for many years asked me if I would disciple his son in a unique way that I have done with other young men around the age of 13 as they're making the transition from boyhood to manhood. I was so thrilled, so thrilled. This is how we invest ourselves, men. You can gain all the funds you want in the stock market, and it will account for virtually nothing. As... The quote that I heard, learned when I was a kid from my mother, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done for Christ will last. You know what one of the greatest joys is? I'll tell you. When my oldest daughter and her husband have invited us to uh, go with them on their one annual vacation every year for many years now. And the primary reason for that was that my daughter wanted me to do for their family what I did for ours every vacation. Right after breakfast, we sat down for a minimum of an hour. And we went through the Word of God in ways that were very practical, applicational, got the kids involved. We weren't playing games. It was serious. Did they always want to do that? No. My job is not to make them want to. My job is to do what I'm supposed to do then they have to change their want-tos. And they did over time. And now my adult daughters in their 40s all look back to those years. And that was one of the highlights of their upbringing. Every day on vacation, right after breakfast, And so we did that with, uh, we've done that with our uh, four oldest grandchildren. And now just this last, uh, just a few weeks ago, down there in Florida, did the same thing. 
What an incredible time that was for 10 days. And in fact, it was so meaningful that an hour did not suffice. Extended out because of the involvement, the application, the involvement, the meaning for them from age 22 to 28. There is never a wrong time, friends, to begin discipleship. A disciple is one who follows the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord, his Father. And one who is being discipled is one who is being led by precept and example, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, to be like God, to follow God in his footsteps, and hopefully, in some respects, to emulate his own father. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, I I want that to be said of me. Can it be said that I follow Christ perfectly? No, because I'm a human being. Paul didn't follow Christ perfectly. He admitted that. He said, I don't count myself to have already arrived, but this one thing I do, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what I urge you to do today. Get a copy of this book, Hearts of the Fathers. In fact, some are buying multiple copies now to give them to their various relatives. You might want to consider your pastor, your youth pastor, uh, others in a significant role. We need to get a message out to encourage men to stand up to the plate in this intense moment of increasing perilous times until Jesus comes. Hearts of the Fathers, $15. We'll put this $23 hardbound book in your hands. Get it on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. And please, seriously consider becoming a partner with us. We can't do it alone. Go to the website, make your generous gift that way, or give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. And men, it's time to be fathers. And let's return also to the Father who is full of grace and truth. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.